right, guys, welcome to episode number 20. We made it to 20 of the KFO show, Kayak Fishing Obsessed. If you love kayak fishing or fishing in general, guys, I have Andrew Hayes from the Tackle Talk podcast. I've ever been hearing from a lot of you guys saying it's one of your favorite podcasts. So tonight is going to be awesome. So I'm absolutely pumped. As you notice, I'm not in my studio tonight. I am in Tennessee. Uh, last week, I was in Wisconsin. Then I drove 1,300 miles down here. Um, and so kind of on vacation with spring break with my family. If you are a man or woman of faith, please pray for them because they are currently sick right now in the other room. So my wife is a champ. Um, she's taking care of my littles, but uh, man, it's tough. All right, well, let's hop into the show here. First, want to give some credit where credit's due. Uh, I want to thank you to the sponsor of the show, usrivermaps.com. If you're new to the show, if you're not, I've been talking about this company since we started. Uh, Jeff, who is also a listener, sometimes in the comments, if you have a question about any of his art that he does, he made some sick hydrological maps. So head over to usrivermaps.com. And if you find something you like, here's a little gift for you. Get $35 off. If you're on the podcast, all lowercase, G-E-T, the dollar sign, the number 35, off, O-F-F. And uh, you can help yourself one of those. I have one. A lot of the individuals who I've had on the show have them, and they rock. I also want to give some shout-outs to some new channel members, Jacob Tomlin and Lost in Tackle. Guys joined up this past week. If you want to know more about that, I'm not going to dive in right now. Um, but you can kind of go down to the join or go over to my uh, page. It's where I go the extra mile for you, kind of do some early access to some content. It's really my inner circle of individuals kind of reach out to to help me kind of guide the direction of the channel. So thank you, Jacob. Lost in Tackle. I believe that's Ben. All right. Well, enough of all of that. I want to welcome the man, the myth, the legend with over 1 million downloads, guys. 1 million. 1 million downloads. Andrew, <laughs> welcome to the show, man. That's How's it awesome. going, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're Ohio, right? Yeah. You're a Buckeye. Mm, yep. I knew it. I knew it. I'm not sure why I didn't have you on earlier. You're, you're over in Dayton. Is that correct? Yeah. Just outside of Dayton. Where are you from? Uh, Canton, the, uh, the Caribbean oh, okay. of the Midwest. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's, so, it's one of those things. It's like, especially, you know, you get the same thing, right? When you tell people where they're from, it's like, we're not in uh, anybody's like destination of places to go fishing in general or bass fishing or probably even visit in general, really. You have at least a couple tourist things up there. Like, we have absolutely nothing over here. Like, it's oh, yeah. a barren wasteland. <laughs> we got the rock and roll, right? Yeah. I got the pro football, which is yep. I passed 10,000 times in my lifetime. Never been yep. once. And now I refuse to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With a bunch of bus. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one. Everyone's always coming through. Like, hey, have you ever come to Canton? It's like, I, I know when I offer that out, no one's ever taken me up on it. So I offered it out to everybody. And yeah. in like 15 years, no one's like, hey, man, I'm coming to Canton. <laughs> you know, funny enough. Yeah. Me and the family, we're going to we're going to take a cross country road trip to Canton. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. I host people. I host people in a decade. <laughs> it's the same thing here. I was like end with people like after we'll get done recording or whatever i'll say you know I, I pray for your sanity you don't find yourself up here but if you ever do find yourself in dayton ohio give me a shout and we can go like get on some strikingly average small mouth or something oh, but don't, oh, yeah. don't make it a destination to come here <laughs> i will give you personal best three pound bass guaranteed yeah. we will maybe mail it. <laughs> possibly it's a good day <laughs> yeah oh well, and, that's like, and that's what like the fishing we do around here too like we'll stumble into some good fish every now and then but i mean like your smallmouth are topping out at you know 19 maybe 20 inches if you find like a real brute and we're fishing a lot of like small creeks and small rivers and you know little lakes and stuff we don't have any like of these places where you see people up on erie or somewhere landing you know six seven pound smallmouth you're like that doesn't happen down here the record was just caught wasn't it like in the past six months uh, there was one on Erie on, I think it was the Canadian side maybe, but he caught like a 10 pound smallmouth. Yeah. It was, um, still. Gallagher was his last name. I can't remember his first name. Mike, maybe Mike Gallagher, but yeah, it was a 10 pound smallie. It's crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I've never seen a, honestly, I'm trying to think I've never seen a large mouth over seven pounds in real life in my life. Like I've never seen a largey over seven. Cause I don't travel anywhere. Like I just fish central Local. ohio like public right. water so i think the biggest largemouth i've ever seen is probably 612 and the biggest smallmouth i've ever seen in person was probably just over five that's that's me too yeah so i can't, I can't fathom a 10 pound smallmouth my brain can't comprehend what a 10 pound smallmouth looks like because it just is twice what i've seen my rods are breaking in half when they think about it right now yeah <laughs> I get a hold of four. I'm like, oh, I am stretching the limits of my tackle right now. My yeah. Xfinity rod from Walmart is cracking as we speak. They work, man. <laughs> hey, they do. They work. 
Well, tell me a little about your story. Um, I, I I had a lot of people were like, oh, I'm so glad you're having him on tonight. It's one of my favorites. Um, tell me, I know a little bit of the story because I've been on your website, right? And all I know is like you started it in 2019. You saw something. You, know, you didn't see what you were looking for when it comes to Bass Fishing Podcast. So you're yep. like, I'm just going to do it. But I, I really want you to tell the story of that because you've created something from no- nothing in a relatively short amount of time. It's pretty impressive. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting because we're kind of in like a little niche that I think we were just one of the first ones to really do it. Like it was everybody was pushing to YouTube at that point. So I guess if we back up, this is probably 20, I don't know, 18, 19, maybe somewhere around there um, where I, I work in sales. And so I spent a lot of time in the truck, a lot of times, you know, traveling to and from places and a lot of pavement hours. And I used to listen to a bunch of like sports shows. I used to listen to, you know, you can only listen to the same George Strait cassette tape you know so many times you're like all right i gotta find something else to listen to and so i listened to a bunch of sports shows and then at some point it just kind of clicked i was like why don't i search for bass fishing shows like everything's in the palm of your hand now i can listen to fishing shows it's what i'm obsessed with and there just wasn't anything out there at that time you had ike live which was like very sporadic and it's more of just you know buddies kind of like shooting the bull drinking beer and hanging out and then a little bit of fishing talk but mostly it's just kind of like camaraderie type things or there was bass talk live which bass talk live is very tournament centered um very much like of the pro side of things and i was like where's the stuff for just regular dude like i'm a weekend warrior i want to like i'm a nerd so when i tune into something i want to learn something like to to know that i left with more knowledge than i came in with Mm-hmm. I just don't like wasting my time with things so, like I would be a terrible if I was a reader, which I'm not a reader. I wish I was, but I would never read like, you know, fiction books or novels or something. It's like I want at the end of that book to have learned something and to take something, you know, into my daily life. And so otherwise, I just feel like I'm wasting time. And so it was the same thing with these fishing shows. I was like, where's the semi educational stuff where I can just kind of like, you know, listen as I'm driving and learn a little bit and no one was doing it. And so after like waiting for, you know, a couple months, I was like, someone's going to do this. Eventually podcasts are taking off and no one was doing it. And finally, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to try this. And so I'm a big music nerd. So I have like, you know, guitars and basses and mandolins and stuff all over the place in here. So I have like the audio background sort of to set everything up and record and do all that kind of stuff. And so I just set it up. I recorded like three or four shows at the beginning and I put them out there and it's like anything else. It's like when you probably started YouTube where no one's listening to it like you 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 know put all this work into it and then you look and you had four downloads and you're like i wonder that sometimes to be honest yeah well i mean we all do right (laughs) you're no matter where you get you're like man i feel like for the work i'm putting in there's not that much coming out of it right but eventually what happens is you stick with it you grow you you grow um organically or just you know a a lot more grassroots style where you don't have like anything viral that goes crazy it's just you build this following of people that really enjoy what you're doing and you get better at it as you go so if you listen to my first episodes and you listen to now they're drastically different i I feel like i've gotten a little bit more polished and a little bit better you know on the mic as i go in and i'm more prepared now and that kind of stuff but yeah i just started it and it probably took about six eight months before you really saw downloads kind of start to take off a little bit and you're like okay this is starting to become a real thing and now it's just I look at the download numbers and it still blows my mind. We're at like almost, so we do four episodes uh, a month right now because we basically do okay. one a week and it's about like a hundred thousand people that listen to th- this thing, which is just like bonkers. I grew up in a town of like 6,000 people. Like I, I'm, again, talk about brain can't comprehend things. I'm just some random dude in a bedroom that rambles about fish. So that's kind of like the 30,000 foot view of how it started. It was just, no one was doing it. And I think we just, hit it at the right time. And I wanted this like mix of tips of gear reviews. That was the other thing. The the whole industry is so disingenuous with gear reviews where they're just promoting the person that's giving them a 10% discount code. And so you got to use this brand of tungsten. You got to use this rod. You got to use this reel because I get 5% off, you know, on a coupon code that they give out to everybody. It's like, I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to, we've said from day one, I won't work with rod companies. I won't work with real companies. I won't work with bait companies because I want this to be genuine. And I want to be able to say, if I think something sucks, that it sucks. And if something's good, then I want to be able to say it's good. And so that's kind of like the gist of the show. So was there, was there a time in the midst of like the growth, right? I'm, I'm episode 20. And it's not really in a podcast. I just take the live show and make it a podcast. Not Which is like smart. Yeah, you've already done all the hard work. You might as well <laughs> put work. it on there. <laughs> yeah. so I'm throwing it on there. Um, was there a moment, like, for those of you who are like, you know what? I've been wanting to do a podcast or something or start my YouTube channel or whatever it was. Was there a moment where, like, it just accelerated, like, mock speed for you? 
Honestly, no. Like I've looked back at the, you know, like the little trajectory oh, yeah. of downloads and stuff and the analytics and stuff. And there really wasn't. It is just this staggeringly consistent like this. And as you go over time, right, you know, that what looked like a big peak at the time now flattens out because your numbers, you know, get bigger and smaller, obviously, as you go right. in a wider set of data. But yeah, I mean, it's just this kind of like that sort of thing. And it's really cool because I've said this before, too. I could have, you know, Kevin Van Dam on next week and I could have my best friend on the week after and the downloads are going to be almost identical because Thanks. yeah like no, nobody's coming in and being like oh i saw this on the internet i gotta go listen to this for the first time it's like it's just the the small growth of the just like a channel and like anything else where it's also a podcast you can't have something go viral which is an interesting aspect of right. podcast there's no algorithm there's no way for you know apple podcast to shove an episode down your throat or to autoplay to the next thing it's like you had to say nope i want to go and i want to search out your show and i want to go download it and i want to listen to it and it's it's way it's just a different beast which is i think kind of interesting it's it's an anticipated or expected grind return versus yeah. youtube's the same thing but i feel like it's mentally unhealthy for a lot of people to go viral um, yeah, it's also a like, little bit of just like a, a gamble where like you, you could hit the lottery and the algorithm could love your next video or it could get recommended or something and starts trending. And, then, you know, you can't do that with some other things, which in YouTube you can. So you've seen people that have had like two videos set their channel up for success for years after that because those two channels just went crazy viral where, you know, some other formats don't really have that option, I guess. True. So all you do is podcast. I mean, I, I saw you have like you do some live show stuff on YouTube, but yeah, so I'll do live shows time. like this, but I never do my own. Um, I was just I, I like hopping on and, and talking with people. But yeah, I just I'm one of those guys. I want to do something and do it well. And so probably to a little bit of my detriment, I don't branch out and do really a whole lot of other stuff. I just want to like do one thing and do it the best of my ability and not kind of spread myself too thin. And then my show starts to suck. My YouTube starts to suck. My website starts to suck. Like I just want to do one thing and do it well. And I know that I'm terrible at video editing. I I don't like doing that side of things. And so I just like the audio format. And so every once in a while, we'll have like an interview where I'll take the Zoom feed and I'll throw it up on YouTube because I want to archive it. But other than that, we're pretty much just podcast. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, everyone, I had, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dial in the, the kind of live show. And what yeah. I'm trying to do is, uh, this is for all the listeners out there. One, this is an interactive live show. If you got questions for myself or for Andrew, just like put a couple question marks before it because sometimes the the, ch the the chat over here on the side kind of goes crazy and there's conversations that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, just so I can identify it because I start it and whenever we get a break, I kind of go in there and answer those for you. So if you have one of those, I already see them coming in. I'm already, I'm already starting these. Um, go ahead and throw that in there. But what I asked Andrew to do because I was noticing as I was doing a little research on him that he was at the, I believe, the Columbus Expo um, yep. not too long ago. And as I kept on scrolling down, like you did a seminar, straight up seminar on the importance of rod selection. So um, a few days ago, I was like, hey, I know you already have all these talking points down. Would you be willing to like do like the straight up seminar for everyone? Because I would find it fascinating. There's so much information out there. Companies are making up their own language for what things are. It's kind mm -hmm. of <laughs> it's kind <Yeah>. of maddening. <laughs> uh, and what's necessary, what's not necessary, what's hype, what's actually, what, what should we be paying attention to as bass anglers? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And so, Andrew, I just kind of want to kind of give it to you. Take it. Take us for take us for a wild ride. We want to go like like you said earlier, I want to learn something walking away from this and uh, like something I, I never knew. And I have a feeling you're going to bring that. <laughs> yeah. So this Hopefully. is one of my it's probably maybe my favorite piece of gear to talk about, because I usually tell people if you're going to spend money on either rod reel or line like of those three things, I think the rod really is like where the majority of your money should go. So that's a question we get all the time. Like I've got. $200 to build a combo, you know, what, what should I sink money into more than the others? It's like with a reel, there's some nice things about a reel, right? The, you know, you can pick up line faster on certain ones and other ones, depending on what you're going to do. The, you know, if you're frogging, then obviously you want a faster reel. If you're cranking, you want a slower reel, that kind of stuff. But really at the end of the day, a reel is just there to pick up line. There's not really a lot that that reel does to your lure or to your presentation. It still does some, but in terms of like the balance there between rod and reel, rod definitely does a lot more of the heavy lifting when it comes to like your actual techniques and, you know, imparting your movement on the lure that you're using and, you know, feeling bites and keeping fish hooked and getting fish to the boat. It's really on the rod. And so this is one of those topics that I really like to talk about because I went down this road as an angler over the past probably five, 10 years where 
you like start and I'm like a, you know, a, a ugly stick guy. I'm, yeah. you know, going to Walmart, I'm buying my, you know, whatever they are, the ugly stick elites or the, you know, whatever uh, they are now GLX or, you know, whatever they uh, call them at Walmart. Now, I don't know. I haven't bought an ugly stick in a while, but I used to love ugly sticks. And right. that was that was me. I would go there. I'd buy my $30 rod and that would get me by. And then you start to go down this path where, all right, I'm getting more and more into fishing. All right. I got the bug real bad. Now I'm going to start getting into a little bit higher end combos. Now I'm going to start buying more combos. Now I need a jerk bait rod. I need a crank bait rod. I need oh, yeah. a frogging rod. I need a flipping rod. I need. And you get to this point where the the Internet tells you that you need a specified rod for every single technique like you need. 37 rods because you need a dedicated jerkbait setup or else you're not gonna be able to use that jerkbait just right you need a dedicated <laughs> drop shot setup or else it's gonna you know it's not gonna wiggle under the water like you want it to so basically they tell you it's like all right you need 37 rods but that's not practical because i'm guessing the majority of people that are listening to this or you know that are watching especially being a kayak guy especially yourself you can't take 37 rods with you every time you can take like three or four, maybe, or if you have like a black pack or something, six. you can take five. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I usually like I have a hard and fast rule that I usually don't take more than three rods with me in the kayak. And mm -hmm. it's yeah, I like it because also if I you start sticking rods up behind me, I know what will happen is in the oh, middle of the day. Nope. Yeah, I'll forget they're there. Bam, hit them in the back cast and one of my rod snaps. And so I try and keep it so that I don't poke any rods up. So I have kind of like two that shoot back and then I have one in my hand, obviously. And so but what happened was I had 37 rods and I could only take three of them with me at a time. And so then I was like, OK, well, now the night before I'm stressing out because what three rods am I going to take? I now I have to plan my whole day. I don't know what's going to happen while I'm out on the water. I don't know what's going to, you know, present itself in front of me where I'm like, darn it, I wish I had these two rods that I don't have with me. And so then instead of having 37 rods, I was like, how do I get to the least number of rods that still cover all of my techniques? And so what I did is a long time ago, I basically made myself five combos that I thought could do like 95% of the type of fishing that we're going to do here in Ohio. And so that's really like my, I guess, quote unquote, seminar that I tell people is like, you're going to walk around this expo or you're going to be, you know, the Bassmaster Classics coming up. People are going to be walking around that expo with a thousand different rods to choose from. The thing that they want you to think is that you need 37 rods. And at the end of the day, you really don't. You really need like four or five. And so what I did is I kind of like broke them down into five different kind of like named combos that we'll go through. And really what I think you can handle everything you want. So the first and this is like one of the ones that is a little bit controversial sometimes. But I really think Ooh, you only need off. one spinning rod. Okay. Like, okay. I think unless you're on like, you know, St. Clair or something and you're just ultra light line, ultra finesse drop shot, something you can do almost everything in the world you need with a spinning rod with a seven foot medium fast. Like you just you can it can throw everything you can throw neds, you can throw wacky rigs, poppers, blade baits, uh, grubs, inline spinners, drop shots. You can jerk bait with it. You can throw spooks on it. You can throw little paddle tail swim baits like everything that you need to do with a spinning rod. You can do with a seven foot medium. And so that was one of the big things for me is like, why do I have four spinning rods that are all basically the same combo? Like, I don't need this many. And so I shrunk that down. I really think you can do that. If you get like a 2,500 size spinning reel and you put it on there, you throw 10 pound braid on it with like, uh, you know, keep a leader with you if you need it. If you really want to tie a leader, that's great. But it's like at the end of the day, everything that I want. And you can have multiple of this if you want, right? If you're going to go out there and you're going to be throwing only finesse, then yeah, maybe you do have two of this spinning combo but it's not like you need oh i need a six nine and a six eleven and a seven one and a seven four it's like you can do almost everything with just a seven foot medium and so that was the first one was you really kind of push back on that when you're like when you're talking i, I never really been to one of these seminars before i mean there's very few techniques where i would say you can't i don't know if i can think of one that you can't throw if you're going to do spinning gear on a seven foot medium like the only thing I could see is maybe if you're like, again, really drop shot extraordinaire and you really need this medium light or this light rod to load up the way you want it to, then fine, I guess. But the way that I fish in creeks and rivers and lakes, like I can do everything with that rod. And so you might find some people that have some personal preferences. Like I've ran into people before that say, I agree with you that I don't need that many spinning rods, but I'd rather use a medium light than a medium for most of the, what you just said. And it's like, that's fine. So then that's yeah. what works for you, but you don't need 12 spinning combos unless you just need that many on the deck of your boat and to switch really fast. You don't need them because they you know, serve 12 different purposes really in your boat. Like I really think a spinning combo is one of those things you can shrink down a lot of your arsenal pretty quick. All right. Well, solid. Here, let's pause real fast before you jump into the other. I got some questions here. First, 
Army Outdoors, new member. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. You're awesome. So uh, you'll start getting those perks and stuff this week because I launch videos every single week. All right, we got some things here. Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see some questions. Um, just kind of reinforcing. Bro, someone just getting the bass fishing. This is all I've heard or read on the internet. <laughs> Bowfin Junkie. Thank you. What, you need a bunch of rods? Yeah, I, I, yeah. well, Bowfin tells us we're correct. But yeah, you, you, you need a specialized rod. I think this came up. You need a specialized rod. Yeah, for and this is where the industry goes. You're seeing like, like Abu Garcia just came out with a whole bunch of signature series from all the pros where everybody that's ever put an Abu Garcia logo on their jersey now has five signature rods that they all made. It's like, you don't need that many. It's where it's going. I mean, I was just on... Yeah. I had Yakarods on. Um, I like I like that company. I like I like the people who are who are, who are working it. And um, I mean, you go on their website, it's Chatterbait Rod. It's finesse rod. It's like Ned, and there's like almost like another one for like Wacky Rig. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is getting expensive real fast. So um, and the dirty see. little secret is a lot of those companies, it's the same dang rod. Like they're same just blank. doing it so that they can have multiple SKUs. Like they didn't um, yeah. really take the t and I'm not saying about that one, but just sure. the fishing industry in general, right? They're gonna say, Oh, I found a good blank. I'm gonna make this in seven one, seven, six, eight, and six six. And I'm gonna call the seven one a jig rod. I'm gonna call the six eight a skipping rod. It's like <laughs> The, they're basically the same. It's just a, a gimmick to make sure that there's multiple rods that you feel like you need to buy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, so you're so you're like army. He just said I have 32 rods in my boat, my man. Hey, you yeah, know what? That was me. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? I I wouldn't mind having 32 rods. I, yeah, I'm not going to complain. But realistically, <laughs> I will here in a couple. Like, most of them aren't going to get used. Unfortunately, no. yeah, no. Oh my goodness. All right, what else we have here? Uh, Bofin Junkie says, I've gone down an endless rabbit hole possibilities, and it's very confusing as a new angler. Followed up by, let me see here. Um, I am from Bucktail. I am definitely not new to it and still get twisted up on rod selection. So Because they change hopefully... every week. Like what a company said two years ago you needed in a chatterbait rod is now the polar opposite of what that same company says you need now with a chatterbait rod. Like that's the whole game, obviously, is we want to sell you more rods. And so we're not going to tell you that, oh, the one rod you bought five years ago is good for 20 years. It's like, oh, no, man, you need... You need this year's rod. Like you need this brand new jerkbait rod that we came out that is almost the exact same as the last 12 jerkbait rods we came out with, except this one came out in 2023. Oh yeah. Something has to be new one. on it. Yeah. yeah. Here, is there a day where we start seeing expiration dates on the fishing rods? I mean, you kind of already see it at this point. Like if you go down and you look at iCast or somewhere and you go down and you see all of these, you would like I don't know, the hype around new things that come out that aren't new, that just have a different label or a different pro's name on them is insane. Like there's a whole money circle pit of just recycling anglers' monies because they're like, oh, I can slap this guy that, you know, finished in three top tens last year. I can slap his name on a rod and he's got 10,000 followers on Instagram and some of them will buy a rod. Sure, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about you. You can say whatever you want, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is, great. This is why I, I can't work with you. Yeah, I've already burned every bridge. With the every company. bridge is burned. <laughs> All I got is my opinion. Here it is. Army Outdoors 88N. The Expo is a money pit. Um, yeah, for this very reason. Oh, my goodness. This is... Uh, it's revealing and kind of... In the same front, though, it's fun. Like, this is also what makes fishing a lot of fun to talk about is because you know there are 12,000 different rods you can use for a chatterbait and 1300 different companies you can go take a look at and we're always chasing that like unicorn we're chasing that perfect setup that perfect rod and every year someone dangles something in front of us and says you thought you had the perfect rod check this out or you thought you had the perfect reel for this nope check this one out and then you're just they got you right where they want you and you're like well maybe it will right maybe if I have that 0.2 ounces lighter reel my you know, I'll feel that extra bite and I'll catch 20 more fish next year. It's like that kind of stuff is it's a dangerous game. <laughs> Extremely dangerous. Um, but I love it because I got guys like fishing with Gramps, you know, doesn't these, oh, yeah. these real reviews, these rod reviews. And I love learning about it, but I also love information is power, right? Yeah. And if we go confused into an expo, or we go confused to a website that tells us we need all these things in order to compete or catch fish. Um, we start to believe it, but if we have knowledge that you're about to lay on us here in a bit, we can help separate kind of the nonsense or the fun. Let's just call it fun. Yeah. The fun of it all, but still know that we know that we know we don't, it's not, it's not needed to succeed in this sport. Yeah. And the fun part about this is like the info that we'll talk about today, or you get from anybody is like, that's just one person's opinion where I think a lot of times, and you saw this more so a couple years ago, I think than you do now, I think now people are starting to get hip to it, but it used to be like guys would watch 
one YouTube channel or two YouTube channels or something. That was it. And they get all their information from those one or two people. And they could be the best anger in the world, but it doesn't matter. It's just their opinion on three fourths of this stuff. And it's not the God's honest truth all the time or the end all be all. And so, yeah, watch as many YouTube channels as you can. Listen to as many podcasts as you can. Different sources of information, read articles. That's something that I wish more people would do nowadays because there's so much really good info out there. If you just want to take the time and even go look at like uh, scholarly articles, like I fell down this rabbit hole a couple years ago where I'll get on these websites that have these scholarly like um, fisheries biology type uh, research papers and stuff. And you'll start to read them and just try and gain a little bit of info on there because the more info you have in your tool belt, the more you can decide for yourself what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe and what you want to, you know, take to heart and which ones you want to kind of tune out a little bit. I saw you take that deep dive. I can tell on your website because you start having these biologists on your tackle talk show. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah. you took a deep dive on that. I think that'd be fascinating. It's fun. Yeah. Because no one else is covered. Not a lot of people are covering that angle. Yeah. Because it takes, because it takes effort to do like you can't you, you, as bad as it sounds. It's like a lot of people just want to, you know, f fire up something, turn it on and talk with their buddies about the fish they caught last Tuesday. And that's a much easier conversation to have than with a fisheries biologist about light penetration and oxygen levels and that kind of stuff. It's just a it takes more prep on your your front. You know, if I'm going to have the conversation, I actually have to do my research and lay out my conversation a little bit and my points and what I want to hit. And I think sometimes people just unfortunately don't want to put in the work to do that kind of stuff, which yeah. then opens up lanes for people that do enjoy doing that. For sure. For sure. I got to go actually go back. I got to put that one like a star because I actually want to listen to that one. Yeah, we did. If you haven't listened, we did one like two years ago. It was a four part series and it was called The Bait Breakdown. And what I did is I went out and I found four different experts in four different fields. So I found an expert for bait fish, an expert for crawfish, an expert for aquatic insects, and then an expert for reptiles and amphibians. And basically, I picked their brain for like an hour and a half each on what the biology of the bait is doing because we spend all you know these hours out there imitating a crawl or imitating shad or imitating bluegill but we spend all this time researching the behavior of the predator of the bass and not necessarily of the forage that we're trying to imitate and so it would you know do you really well to say no when does a crawl move like that or when does a crawl look like that where would a crawl be this time of the year um when do they move you know what does lunar phases do these things all that kind of stuff because that's what you're trying to imitate and so we did that a couple years ago and that was maybe one of my favorite uh, multi-part series is especially that we did because yeah. again it's just an angle that unfortunately we overlook a lot of times for sure and that one's actually on your website right now right if you go yeah. to was it tackle talk podcast.com yeah. is that right yep uh it's one of the four-part series you kind of see in blocks a little bit down the page so if you're interested in taking a deep dive on that head over there after the show and uh yeah get schooled all right i'm gonna pause <laughs> um and let, give it give the show back to you because you only went through one of five oh yeah right all right let's <laughs> yeah. go so Combo number two, I would say, and this is the one where if if you have like a, a casting rod already and then the next question obviously everybody has is, OK, well, if I do need one different rod for something, what's that rod? Because I have like a seven foot medium casting rod. What's the next one I need? You need a crankbait rod like a crankbait rod is probably the most different rod that you're going to have in these five compared to everything else. And so a crankbait rod, obviously, you're going to want to make sure that it's a cranking specific rod, because when you go to the store and you buy a crankbait rod, as long as it's a crankbait rod, a medium heavy crankbait rod and then a medium heavy fast rod is going to feel light and you know night and day different the cranking rod is going to feel like a wet pool noodle and the fast rod is going to feel a little bit more not broomsticky but you know what i mean like it's going to be a lot stiffer and so you're gonna have a lot more wobble in that crankbait rod which obviously you want because this is where especially when i was new i got really confused about all these people talking about moderate bends and parabolic bends and all that kind of stuff basically all they're trying to say is with a cranking rod you want that sucker to like when it loads up and you set the hook on a fish or when you put any sort of tension on it, you want more of an arc in it and you want the bend to be farther down the rod than you do all the way up top. So when people talk about like a fast rod, the bend in that rod, it's not necessarily how much it bends, it's where it bends. And so a fast rod bends more closer to the tip, which is nice because you can set the hook faster. It loads up faster, which means you get the tension on that hook faster and you can penetrate. So for a Ned rig or something, for instance, that's what you want. But then if you're going to use like treble hooks, treble hooks are the one thing where it's a delicate process because you want to hook that fish. You want to keep it pinned. But you also don't want to rip them out of the fish's mouth. And so you want a lot of play in your rod and sometimes line. You can get into that conversation here in a second that we will, too. But, you know, especially your rod, you want a much more forgiving rod. And so get you like a seven to seven, three medium heavy crankbait specific rod. So even if you're on a budget, you can go to a Bass Pro. You can get like their cranking sticks that I think are 
probably 70 something bucks or 80 something bucks, something like that. Um, Furies in the Dobbins line makes a really good crankbait rod. There's a lot out there in that kind of like hundred ish dollar range that you can find. That's pretty good. But then the big thing on that is obviously with that more moderate, that more bendy rod, you're going to want a slower reel. And the one thing I, the only way I've really thought to explain this and what people are like, why do I need a slower reel to crankbait? Why can't I just reel my current reel slower? It's like, well, you can, but if you want to think like, uh, like riding a bike, like if you're going to ride a bike uphill, what do you do? You lower the gear. Yeah. You go down a gear because what happens is you do have to pedal more, but it's way easier to pedal versus if you kept it in seventh gear, you would have to pedal less, but it's so hard to move those gears and you're just going to wear yourself out. It's the exact same thing with throwing a crankbait because there's so much water displacement and so much, um, tension on that and so much, you know, that, that things just digging 15, 16, 20 feet down. If you're throwing deep divers, like you really have to have much more of a slower reel so that you can actually go through, you can make your full winds. You're not going to tire out your arm or your hand or really overwork your reel. And so slower reel, obviously for crankbaits is uh, definitely the go-to. And it's something that you're seeing a lot of reels move away from now. So it used to be like five to ones were fairly normal. You could find five to one reels all over the place. And now they're like a dying breed and everybody wants eight to ones and nine to ones and 10 to ones and you know, yeah. bonkers. That's like a slow reel is definitely the move for your crankbaits. And so get you a five to one, six to one, and then line, you're going to have some people that are going to say mono and that's okay. Um, the reason for mono, obviously is it's got a little bit more stretch in it. So again, if you have crankbaits, that's great. It's a little bit more forgiving. I'm going to go with fluoro because the bigger thing for me is if I have like a DT 16 and I want that, you know, rapple to get down to 16 feet, fluorocarbon is going to help you do that because fluorocarbon sinks. Obviously it's going to help you get down to like the desired running depth of that crankbait, which is the name of the game with crankbaits is you want that thing to be banging off the bottom. You don't want it to be going through the middle of the water column, just doing this. You want it to be off of wood, off of rock going all over the place. And that's where you're getting your strikes. And so that's your second uh, combo. There is really just your cranking specific combo. You can throw medium divers, deep divers, almost any crankbait. Um, you can throw square bills on that rod if you really want to. And then kind of like sneaky uses for that, depending on what crankbait rod you get, a lot of people now are moving to more of a moderate rod for spinner baits and for chatter baits. Okay. So for me, I throw my chatter bait actually on the same rod that I throw my deep cranks on. It's like a seven, uh, three, like I think it's a technically a heavy, but it's a Dobbin. So it's really more like a medium heavy. Um, but it's a glass rod. And I love it. And it's one of those things where I'd thrown chatterbaits on fast rods my whole life. And I missed, you know, a decent amount of chatterbait fish. And what I've really found through, I can't remember who we're talking, maybe Wheeler on our okay. show, someone we were talking to. And he was like, well, you know, probably why, right? Is because you were reacting too fast. And that fast rod was really popping that chatterbait right out of the fish's mouth with the blade right there where with a slower rod it obviously slows you down so when you go to set the hook um you you've got a little bit more forgiveness in there where it will slow down your hook set and you let that fish get that whole hook in its mouth and then penetrate and so i don't know i really like how it goes i like the way that that rod loads up on a chatterbait especially in the kayak it's been awesome and so you'll see people use that rod for that too it just depends on which one you get yeah. um so that the was next three. there were three right um that's two that's yeah two because you put two in one um, yeah Real quick, you mentioned your kayak. Yeah, we, we, this is kayak fishing obsessed. So you got to share what you what, what do you got? Oh I mean, yeah. It, if I had to guess, and I actually don't know, living okay. in Indiana. What do, you, what do you? Yeah. What do you think I I run? It's got You got to have an old town. I do. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do because you're you're like connected with Grams and Old oh, Town no. the area. It's like Old oh, Town's no. taking over. <laughs> I'm just an Old Town guy. Yeah, I I bought an Old Town. So like, this is the fun part about the show too. Is I don't work with Old Town. I don't work with you know Hobie or anybody like that. Right. I did my research. So I went from an Ascend uh, A10 to an Ascend 10T to a Feel Free Lure 10 and then to a uh, Old Town 106 PDL. And yeah. when I went to make the switch from the Feel Free to the Old Town, I did a ton of research. And I basically, like everybody, you know, you start with the vibes, you start with the Jacksons, the Hobies, the Old Towns, you start to, you know, whittle yourself down. And what I really got to was, you know, unfortunately was Hobie and Old Town. It was like, you're two big ones at the top. And so I was yeah. like, I'm planning on this at least for now for being my forever kayak or at least as long as it'll last me and so i wanted you know my investment to mean something i wanted to get a really good but i also wanted a pedal drive and what i didn't like about the hobies was i didn't like the mirage drive right so i was like okay so i'm gonna go with a bicycle style you know pdl and i love it like i fish a lot of shallow water and so the big thing that scared me on the hobie was even if i do have the mirage drive up and so it you know makes the fins even I bottom out a lot. I'm still going to rip those things up. I'm going to break them. It's not going to be a good time. I'm going to have to pull that out a lot. And if I have to pull it out, 
it's way easier in an old town than it is in a Hobie to pull out the Mirage Drive and put it back in versus the old town. You just it's on a hinge. You pull it right up, boom, right back down, and it's great. So yeah, I love it. All right, I I just I was actually just looking on a website earlier today at one of those. Um, Grants. Um, I have two. I have a Native Slayer Pill Ten. That was kind of my entry level one. Had that for years. Loved okay. it. I think the ten foot size is perfect for the five hundred to two thousand acre. What yeah. m- most of the time is around us. Uh, yep. If I had a larger lake, I I would you know need a twelve foot with a motor. I would just get a motor at that point. Yeah. Um So I I recently picked up for a, a steal online. I got I get all my kayaks on Facebook Marketplace like yep. in December when everybody wants to get them yep. out of the garage. <laughs> and I drive like, halfway across the country uh, to get them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they are never. Smart. In yeah. Canton, Ohio, I went to no. Fort Wayne for this last one. I got a bona fide P127. I love pedal drives. Okay. Um, I love the exercise, and I love. I, I don't even. I never carry an anchor with me because I've, I'm just constantly moving. Yeah. Most of the time, I just reposition myself. The thing is about the bona fide, and that it, it it sucks at turning. It just sucks. I mean, it, granted, it's an extra two feet, right? That I have to yeah. move. Um, the wind, it, you know, it's it's going from a ten to twelve. It's like a, it's like a bigger sail, right? You can push yeah. it around. It's hard to turn. Now I'm doing like three-point turns um and so i'm not loving it for that reason i think i need i might need to come up with a mod for the steering to maybe get some more surface area going over the rudder um, yeah but i like it and i'll use it probably for an entire season but i will probably go back to a 10 to 11 foot footer yeah. next year and i was looking at the one that you got yeah it's i mean for the bang for your buck for whatever it is like two grand and you've got i mean the whole thing i also just like two days ago finished up rigging it up so i've got live scope this year for the first time oh i'm gonna, I'm gonna oh. play around with it i will i'm gonna shoot it straight i'm gonna shoot everybody like it is like i want to just put this through the ringer and see if it makes that and i fish rivers a lot so like i don't think it's gonna play a lot in the rivers i really don't i honestly to be truth be told i think i'll probably put it in perspective mode more than i put it in forward facing mode but yeah. we'll see but yeah i got some new toys to play with but that old town i mean you can mod that thing however you want it's great it's got the little you know, uh, anchor mount in the back so you can throw a motor on it if you want. You could throw yeah. a Torquedo or a Bixby or a Newport or whatever you want on the back. Like, it's it's pretty solid. If you don't want to go all the way up to, like, a $4,000 Hobie, it's really your next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I got, we got like, I'm starring a ton of crap over here. Let me, let me go over here and see if yeah. I can pick up some of these comments. This is interesting because I never get to, like, have interact with people like i'm always just by myself in my bedroom with a microphone so this is cool like you can actually talk to people <laughs> well if you see one that you want to address let me know i gotta go through because i've been like boom here we're going back to the conversation about <laughs> um rods uh jeff congressman the one owns us river mess stock on pocket fisherman's where's that <laughs> you like sneak it in your golf bag you go to like a golf course and just go fish the pond yeah <laughs> that would be me that would be the only reason i go on the golf course yeah. i've i've snuck on a few golf courses Kind of with permission, kind of with not, nonetheless. Um, we got here digs. I still use a Zebco 202 now with a bait Heck caster yeah. on it that I got when I was six <laughs> years old. Still making Those it happen eggs. there. Um, Scott, uh, I've been catching fish on the same rod from college days in the late 80s. Man, it just goes to say a testament I mean, to whatever rod company that is, too. Yeah. You can send them up, <laughs> who was that? See if they'll use you for an ad. <laughs> I just got off the phone with Scott this past week. I don't, I don't think I know which one he was. Um, <laughs> Moving on to our conversation about biologists, Jeff said, my son-in-law is a marine biologist. He can talk your ear off about fish thoughts, about fish thoughts, but he's wicked on catching them. So that'd be kind of fun to just uh, geek out with someone. I, I yeah. can see why that would be so much fun to, to talk to him. And Bucktail, what did he say? Team Marketplace, where I got all of mine. Love Marketplace. Not right yeah. now. It used to be Craigslist back in the day, where because you had to put in the work and you had to look yourself through these terrible classified ads and everybody was sketchy you couldn't see anybody's pictures or anything so you really took a chance of like you know going to some sketchy people's houses or something that's where you got great deals oh yeah where you're willing to, to risk your life to get, yep. to get a deal yeah that's worth it that's, that's where they're at <laughs> <laughs> wait look look what i see here army outdoors i feel so unbalanced in a kayak but i want to learn this is the same same guy earlier he's on a, he's on a bass boat so yeah, he's coming over to the dark side is what I, what I, what I recognize here. So army, I like it. I like it. Yeah. You just get your, you get your, whatever your sea legs under you eventually. Like the first kayak that I ever had that I could stand in was that, uh, Ascend 10 T like the Bass Pro brand that they, they run in the stores. Like it's probably a $500 kayak. And it, it's one of those ones. that's like, I had to actually balance in that kayak. Like, it's not like my ones I have now where you can almost do jumping jacks in it. Like, like this was, you, it. yeah, you had to, yeah. and I'm a little dude. I'm like, you know, five, nine, I can't imagine being like six, three or something trying to stand in this thing. 
Uh, I remember my first time out. Oh my gosh, you get me going. I got into Native Slayer and I just fished for like, I don't know, three or four hours. And I can't tell you how incredibly sore I was. I was using muscles that I never yeah. used before just to kind of get used to the new casting because you're limited, right? Unless you're standing, oh, yeah. which I can stand in mind, no problem. I get to bounce to do it. But I just remember getting up next morning. I was like, is this for me? And after a few times, <laughs> I figured it out and I, I, you, you fall in love with it, but it wasn't yeah. like after the first time fell in love. With it. There's some things I fell in love, the access kind of go wherever I want, but man, I was sore. So if you've never been in one yet and you're going to just know it's a different way of fishing, yeah. give it a few times. Just give it a few. Yeah. Times. But it's worth it when you can get to the spots that the bass boat dude can't get to. It is true. Yeah. There's a spot that I could barely get to and I'm in a yeah. kayak. Those are the best ones. It holds, yeah. it, it holds them, <laughs> holds them all. Yeah. And in, in a day and age where there are very few, unpressured fish anymore and very few like un you know fished spots everybody knows everywhere everybody gets to everywhere it's like a kayak is really one of your last chances to get to like some of your little last frontier-ish type spots in your area yeah yeah like there's a spot that i go and I'm, I'm my dad's getting getting into kayak fishing he's doing the knucklehead bass fishing series challenge with me and right. um it, there's, there's a spot i get to i'm not even sure he can get to it it, it, it's weird. It's not like, oh, I'm just kind of paddling back this little creek. Like, I have to, like, lay everything back and to get under this one thing to yeah. get to my spot. Um, <laughs> and I'm just not sure he's going to be able to do it. But anyways, all right. Um, I'm going to pass it back to you. Keep, we're, we're, we're rod two into I'll into pump five. through this real we fast. Got ten, we got 10 <laughs> minutes left. <laughs> so combo number three, real easy one. This is going to be your like seven foot medium fast rod. So this can be, if you want to call this your jerkbait rod, great. If you want to call it your top water rod, great. But this is the rod where like when you have it in your hand, your palm and your reel and you're working it down, like you're mm. twitching something or you're actually, you know, you're walking a spook, you're twitching a jerkbait. This is where you're actually imparting a lot of motion on this uh, little lure. And usually they're treble lures, obviously. But this is like seven foot medium fast, get like a six to one or a seven to one uh, casting reel. This is the one rod that I'll keep monofilament on because if I'm going to throw a spook on it, obviously I like mono. And then for jerkbaits too, depending on what jerkbait you're throwing, the thing about a jerkbait is you can always make a jerkbait sink, but you can't always make a jerkbait float. And so if you've got a jerkbait and you've got mono on it, and for some reason that jerkbait wants to rise up a little bit because you have mono, you can always add like suspend strips or wrap something around the trebles or, you know, that kind of stuff. And you can always add weight to kind of balance it out. And so I like that. Again, you're going to throw a lot of trebled baits on this. And so the extra stretch of mono is great. So if you're going to have mono on one of your rods, this is the one that I do it. This is my topwater poppers, spooks, uh, prop baits. I get questioned all the time, like, what do I throw a whopper plopper on? It's like, mm -hmm. this is the rod that most of the time I would throw a whopper plopper on um square bills and jerk baits all that kind of stuff you can throw on this rod um the next one would be just your all around i call this like my workhorse setup basically this is like the one that everybody starts out with like a seven foot to seven three medium heavy fast rod this is like your do everything rod and so if you were only going to buy one casting rod this will do like almost everything that you you know, uh, within reason would want it to do get you like a seven to one or eight to one casting reel. I put pretty heavy fluoro on this, so I'll go anywhere from 16 to 20. I just like the little overkill of knowing that when I set the hook on a jig fish or I set the hook on a Texas rig or something, the last thing I have to worry about is not strength or line strength. I'd rather just be able to, you know, we call it uh, giving them the beans. I like to give the fish the beans a little bit, right? And make sure that I can lay into it and not worry about my line. And right. so I'll go a little bit higher on this. If you told me like, Andrew, you can throw 20 pound fluoro and you're going to get 40 bites today, or you can throw, you know, uh, 12 pound fluoro and you can get 50 bites today. I'll still go with the 20 pound fluoro because I know that those 40 bites that I get, I'm going to be able to, you know, lay the meat down and get those fish mm -hmm. in and set the hook like I want to. And so that's just kind of my philosophy on it, but some fairly heavy fluoro is what I'll go with. This can do Texas rigs, flipping jigs, football jigs, chatter baits. If you don't want to use your, you know, cranking rod, obviously for chatter baits, this is the one that most people will use. Um, spinner baits, you can honestly do like almost everything. Buzz baits with this rod, the sky's kind of the limit. And then your fifth rod and a rod that you do kind of need a, again, a specialized rod for is your, you know, like a meat stick rod. So like your frogging and flipping rod is going to be a lot heavier than most of the things we've already talked about. So this is like seven, three heavy, fast. You can even go mag heavy depending on what brands you're using, but just like an absolute broomstick of a rod, because this is the rod where when you're throwing a frog in slop or you're punching through real heavy stuff, you want to make sure that when you set the hook and you have leverage on that fish, you never let the leverage go. And so just as beefy of a rod as you can use, I'll throw 65 pound braid on this thing and just a big fast reel. So this is the one reel. Again, if you're going to go eight to one or whatever, this is the reel to do it. Because again, the name of the game on all of these is picking up line. 
And so when you set the hook on a frog or you set the hook flipping, picking up line and getting that slack out of your line is the difference between landing the fish and not landing the fish. And so yeah. this is your meat stick. You can frog, punch, flip, um, anything with like heavy vegetation or cover. And then your other two like sneaky options, you can throw a buzzbait on this rod if you want to. And then you can also in a pinch, right? A lot of people are throwing Alabama rigs now. And that's like a yeah. big thing around here. You can throw Alabama rigs on this rod if you really wanted to. So right. those are kind of like if you had to pare down your combos to five of them, you have one spinning setup, you have a cranking rod, a topwater or jerkbait rods, so like your little shorter, smaller rod. Um, you'll have a workhorse setup that you can do almost everything. And then you'll have your like frog and meat stick rod. And really at the end of the day, like you have those five rods, you can throw almost everything in your tackle box. Yeah. So I like it. Thank you so much for, for explaining all of that. I'll have to go back and listen to this a few times. Um, just curious to start picking apart a lot of things you said. So what's transitioned from that a little bit, um, still talk about rods and talk about reels now price points on these things so yeah. help 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 talk to us a little bit about what's hype what's 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 not where where should where should the normal weekend warrior like you you, you and me i love that you said like you you felt a niche there because that's what i feel like my kayak fishing channel is Wendell fishing it's kind of kayak fishing for the weekend warrior um yeah. it's just basically everyone's learning as i learn so for the weekend warrior, not I'm a professional on the circuit. Um, what's hype? What's not? Yeah, it's so my big philosophy on this is I don't I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody that, you know, not to buy a five hundred dollar rod because they're I would also be a hypocrite because for the first time this year, I did buy a five hundred dollar rod. So I'd, I I but but I like that. I like um, the act of going from a thirty dollar rod to a five hundred dollar rod. The one thing I will usually try and tell people is you don't make that jump. You don't no. go from an ugly stick to an NRX, you know, G Loomis $650 rod because you're not going to appreciate everything that that $650 rod has to offer because you just went from entry level to, you know, the the Lamborghini of rods. And so what you have to do is you have to go from the beat up 1998 Corolla to the, you know, 2005 Honda Civic to the, you know, 2010 Accord to the 2000. Like you have to gradually go up because it's same thing with cars and everything else where you're not going to appreciate all the little nuances in that rod that make it worth five, 600 bucks. And so I, I'm one of those people like, I'm not going to tell you that you have to stay in a certain price range because everybody's a little different. But the one thing that I will tell you is go up gradually until you get to the point where you feel like this is where I want to be. And this is where I'm kind of topped out. And for some people that might be a hundred dollars for some people that might be $250 for some people it's $50 and that's totally fine. But that's the fun part about fishing is, you know, we talked about it earlier, kind of coming full circle. There are 10,000 different rods to choose from, which means that whatever price point you're in, there's a darn good rod in that price point that you can, mm. you know, buy and we'll do everything that you want it to do. So while we kind of, uh, um, I don't know, make fun of a little bit, the amount of choices and the amount of, you know, reinventing of the wheel and everything that's out there, the number of choices that are out there at the end of the day for a consumer are a good thing because you just yeah. have more parity out there. You have more options to go out and find the one that you want. Um, with that being said, like a lot of folks, when you want to take that first jump up into a, you know, quote unquote, nicer rod from your stuff you're going to buy at Walmart or whatever, the one rod that I usually shoot people towards is a Dobbins Fury because it's 120, 129 bucks for a rod that just is, I think for the price point, like you can't beat it. It's hands down for $120. You're getting so much more than $120 out of that rod. And it's why, you know, I still to this day, I have Furies. I've got two of them right beside me that I still fish to this day my frogs rod that i actually used for probably five years now is a dobbins fury that i have just i mean abused i have beat the living crap out of this rod i have not taken care of it and it's still just walloping fish to this day as my most abused rod at 120 bucks um so that's a great rod to start out with but now that you're seeing a lot more competition in that area so like the shimano slx for 99 bucks or whatever it is is a steal of a deal for a rod um you're starting to see some of the like old guard of rods i think fall a little bit out so like four or five years ago if you'd asked me kind of in like the entry to mid-level price range i probably would have said like a saint croix mojo bass would be like kind of one of the the you know standard rods in that category and you're starting to see and now a lot of companies come up and be like no i can i can do better than that right like i can i can reduce weight I can get rid of like all of the gloss on that rod and just the heavy feeling of that rod. And you're seeing people like Arc come out here and really kind of shake things up a little bit and put some rods in people's hands that feel really good that you wouldn't have expected from Arc. Um, 
there are some Abu Garcia rods. I'm not a big Abu Garcia guy, but there are some Abu rods that feel really nice. And obviously you're going to get into some different price points there with the new, um, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the name, the black rod they came out with like three or four years ago that, not three or four years ago, sorry, last year. That's just like super, super light. Um, but anyway, there's some there. Um, you're just, you're going to see a lot of stuff out there to take a look at. The best thing that you can do is to go to like an expo or go to a big store of some sort and just put your hands on as many rods as you can. And the one thing I always tell people too, is if you're looking for like a chatterbait rod, bring the reel that you're going to throw that chatterbait on mm. with you when you go look for rods, because put it in your hand, feel how that rod and, you know, feels in your hand. We talk about balance a lot. The balance yeah. of the rod is really where that natural balance point is. And the reel on different rods will make that balance point change. And so if you've got a Daiwa Tatula and I've got a Shimano Corrado and we put it on the same rod, the balance point is going to be different because the weight of that reel is different. And so mm. as weird as it sounds, I'm the guy that walks into a Cabela's or somewhere with two reels in my hands and wants to go put them on rods and feel it myself. So I think that helps a lot of people too. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I like it. Yeah. All right, guys, we, I can't, we're, we're almost to an hour. How crazy is that? Um, <laughs> absolutely this blows my mind this is one of those i say it every time but here we are and i'm like i can't believe where did that hour go it goes right, fast so, yeah it does so now that we're coming up to the end of the time uh, i like to kind of do last call for questions so if you got a call i'm yeah. sorry if you got a question for for andrew go ahead and throw that up there um let me see i, I had one in here from bofin junkie this is what he says i've heard conflicting info in a frogging rod some videos i watch say you want a moderate fast action and some say just fast any thoughts on that one thousand percent fast like you, you want that frog. So like you're out there, you're fishing it in slop that, you know, frog gets engulfed or whatever. And it's out there in the weeds. The one thing you want is you want fast hook penetration. And so the faster the rod is, the quicker it loads up, the quicker the tension hits the hooks and the quicker that it will get pierced through obviously that fish's mouth. Now, the only reason that I could even think that someone might say a moderate rod is because I guess if you have a problem with setting the hook too fast, like, you know, how you're supposed to, you let the frog get eaten, maybe count to three literally in your head or out loud before you set the hook as weird as it feels, you get blown up on, you go one, two, three, and then just boom, give it plenty of time to get that frog in its mouth. So I guess that might be their reason for going for a moderate rod is to slow you down, but no, you want a fast rod for sure. Okay. I know. All right. So here's a question for you. So we talked a lot about, um, well, actually, what's, what's, I want to talk a little bit about your, I had this question, I was kind of interested in what your thoughts were. How many episodes do you have? How many episodes do you have for your Tackle Talk? I think we're at like almost 180, something like that. Okay. Top three favorite interviews. I'm sure you get this question a lot. I'm just curious. Mm. And why? I know mm. it's tough because I know you like, you probably love all of them, but top, like, that. this is just you. Uh, just yeah. You learn something that you're like, oh man, that was memorable for you. Not that it was like better than anybody else. It was just memorable for you. Um, okay. Bill dance is hard to beat. Bill dance that was, was recent. Like my, that was, I was like, uh, maybe a year ago, something okay. like that. Yeah. We had Jimmy Houston, uh, a couple weeks ago too. Okay. Um, so some of those, like those type of guys are fun just because that was my childhood, like growing up and watching those guys on TV and then getting the chance to pick their brain and ask, you know, about topics and things that maybe you don't hear them talk about all the time. It's not the same questions over and over again and really kind of picking their brain. So I like those. You also touched on it earlier, but I love just what I call my nerdy episodes that are, mm -hmm. you know, more on the biology side. So the crawfish episode of breaking, uh, the bait breakdown was with Zach Loafman, who is like the North American crawfish guy. Like he's discovered like eight species of crawfish and has seen everything. Like he's wow. the craw guy. And so uh, getting the chance to pick his brain and really the info that's in that interview is just like, will flip your whole world upside down on what you think about crawfish. And then obviously that gets your mind going of like, whoa, I, I probably need to rethink some of the things that I do. If I really want this to be as like biologically accurate as possible when I'm out there trying to imitate a crawl. So I really like that one. Um, where do you and find then some people, by the way, I'm a, I'm a creep. Where do you find I'll the crawl like, guy? Yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'm, I'm the guy that looks through like research papers. I, I promise like I'm the guy at 10 PM that is on my phone scrolling through some, you know, scholarly research article about mouth deformities on largemouth bass. And then I'll look and see who's cited on it. I'll try and find them on Facebook or their email address or something. And I'll try and reach out to them. And then it leads to some pretty interesting conversations where it's like, hi, my name is Andrew. I am in Dayton, Ohio. I know you have no idea who I am, and this is probably the most out of left field email you'll ever get. But do you want to come on a bass fishing show? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Something they don't get asked every day. It's not like they're Bill yeah. Dan Dance getting asked to be on a bass fishing show <laughs> every other week. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it. then maybe my other one that was a fun one just because of the history of everything. We had Ned Cady on, obviously, oh, Ned, yeah. Rick, yeah, yeah. Ned Cady. And hearing him talk about a lot of things that I thought I knew that I didn't know. So like the history of the Ned Rig, the history of Midwest finesse in general, of the way that he fishes and those guys out there that invented a Ned Rig fish a Ned is not how we fish a Ned. And so taking in some of that and like, oh, we've been doing this wrong for a long time and there's some things that maybe you can take away from that one so there's some been some fun ones over the years for sure i'm like losing hours as you talk <laughs> not losing <laughs> I'm, I'm losing. you're gonna have to I'm go gonna, i'm gonna go listen to these things the great thing is for my work i get i gotta travel um a lot so i basically just warehouse all these things until i get in nice. the car for six hours and yep. go to town on it all right last call for questions here um so one last question i have for you in case someone else does Tell us where Taco Talk is going in 2023. You got you got big plans for it. You know, I, I every year I like I have some ideas that I would like to do, obviously. But at the end of the day, like I just want and I, I as corny as this is going to sound right, I pretty much have a promise to my listeners that when you fire up your you know phone or whatever on Tuesday morning, there will be an episode waiting for you. I don't like, you know everything in the, the world that goes on in my life and everything. I want to make sure that no matter what on Tuesday morning, when you wake up, there is a tackle talk. So if that means I have to plan way ahead of time or, you know, stay up till most of these, you know, Monday nights, I'm up to like two, three, four in the morning, sometimes like editing and getting the show out there because I know I have a deadline. Like the next day, there's people that are counting on that show to be up. And so I will continue to do that. And then I also have a promise that when you fire that up, that it's not just going to be oh, I mailed this one in and I'm going to record an episode because it's Tuesday and I have to get an episode out. Like there will be a purpose to it. And so mm-hmm. whether it is gear, whether it is a topic that we want to talk about or a technique or a guest or something, I want to make sure that it's not just fluff. It's not just, oh, wow, he really just like waited till last second and mailed this one in. It's like, no, I want to make sure that if you're going to give me 30 minutes of your time, it's worth it. Yeah. Solid. So, other it. than that, I, I just want to be consistent. I want to keep it going and, you know, like I said, I like to stay in my lane and and try and do things the best that I can. And there's way, you know, better people out there for YouTube and for, you know, fishing videos and content and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, um, I don't know. I, I like where I'm at and I like being able to do what I like to do and what I think I'm fairly good at doing and not really like trying to branch out too much. And then, I don't know, the, the thing that I love suffers, which is the podcast. Right. No, makes sense. All right. I, I, I'm going to have this uh, question came in and we'll kind of end on this one. Yeah. Lower, lower Go fishing. <laughs> and this is one of the things that like you can answer <laughs> because you have no ties to any company. And maybe you don't want to answer. And I, maybe your answer is more like general, but um, what is one rod you would stay away, away from? Ooh. Um, this might, I mean, obviously all your answers, hmm. personal preferences type of thing. There's, yeah. Okay. So the one thing I'm going to say, and most people are probably going to know who, or at least a couple of the companies I'm talking about here, but the Facebook um, targeted ad, fake buy one, get one free, those type of companies, just they grind my gears because they there's people out there that, again, will do anything. As anglers, like you will buy anything at the drop of a hat if you think it will mean you catch more fish next weekend when you go out to fish. Like we just, we're like people are with like, you know, um, birthdays and weddings and that kind of stuff where they just say like money goes out the window and people will spend to make sure that, you know, it's done the right way. We're the same way with fishing. And so I think sometimes those companies and yep, there they go in the, the comments. Yeah, come, come. See it's like <laughs> those companies prey on that a little bit. And if you go to, you know, I'll say it. If you go to six skills website, you will see that the same, you know, ad that you saw that was buy one, get one free for a limited time on Facebook. Those rods are buy one, get one free 365 days a year. And so they're not buy one, get one free. That's just the price for two of them. Right. And so that kind of stuff, like, and, and they're not the only ones. There's a bunch out there that will do this, that it's just very like, um, it's like the clickbait equivalent of sales, yeah. which is kind of annoying sometimes where I think don't go out on just an absolute, um, you know, drop of a dime, buy a rod, right? Do your research and find a rod that makes the most sense. Read reviews, go through all that time. And if it is a six year great. If that's a rod that you love, I've talked to people. Trust me, I've had this conversation before and my inbox gets blown up with people that I've used six skill for six years. They're great people and I love them. That's awesome, right? I'm not here to say that they're not great rods and they won't catch fish. Just yeah. the marketing tactics of some of these companies irk me a little bit sometimes. And I just wish that more people wouldn't fall prey to it because they see a, a Facebook ad and they impulse buy. Yeah, thanks so, for getting the deal because they're presenting yeah. it as a deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Makes sense. All right. Well, folks, we are over the hour here and I want to be sensitive to your time. Just thank you guys so much. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for kind of 
bringing a angle we've never had on the show before. I appreciate you. Yeah. Love that. Hey, if you're ever in Canton, let me know. Which actually, this <laughs> if might you're actually, ever in Dayton, come I this way. I will actually be in Dayton because I travel through kind of that area. Not really. No one ever travels through Dayton because either go 80, 90 or you're going <laughs> you're right. in the middle yeah. of nowhere. You're literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but I am over in that area and we have got, we've, we've got to fish together. Oh, yeah. Give me a shout if you're favorite. over here for sure. Me, you, and Grams will get together and, oh, yeah. and we'll go fishing. So, Guys, thanks once again to sponsor you guys, rivermaps.com. And also, if you are not signed up for the Knucklehead Bass Fishing Series, where Team Wendell is going to destroy fishing with gramps, um, then please go ahead and do that over <laughs> check it out on Fishing Chaos. Um, my tournament months start in May and they go May, June, July, and August. And as you know, or we haven't know, I got a video on this. I'm not going to take a deep dive here, but um, you can win a team, win a chance to be on my team or Team Grants or Team Hoover or Team Fluke Master or Team. Um, Greek fishing adventures, and we're going to go down on Veterans Day weekend and do a tournament for the Hero Cup. So if that's something you're interested in kind of being a part of, I have a video on my website, and, and of course, the links in the description will show you how to do that. But enough with that. Andrew, you're the man. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, tuning in. What what days do does your podcast come out? Every Tuesday? Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Tackle, yep. Talk yep. Tuesday. All <laughs> right. Well, you just gained yourself another listener. So uh, thank you so much. It, man. Thank you. Thank you.